When you're on Fox Sports, it's a bit vanilla. Like you've got to be careful. You can have your opinion, but you've got to be really careful what you say these days. You know all about. Well, you can't that. always have yeah. your opinion. Let me tell you. Yeah, you can't. You can't um, do that sometimes. Yeah. No, this is more of a case of when we want your opinion, we'll give it to you. So. <laughs> this is Legends with Bevo. Thanks to Anytime Fitness Glenelg and Renalec Electrical Services. And now here's your host, Bevo. Simon Hill, the golden voice of soccer, the best in the business. It's great to have you on Legends with Bevo for a chat. Um, now, this year, it's a bit like a uh, pie without sauce, uh, not having you in the coverage, mate. What's happened? Can you tell us more? <laughs> um, well, it's not really for me to say. Uh, that's because, obviously, I reached the end of my contract with Fox Sports in June last year, and uh, they didn't renew me. So it's as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, I left after 14 years. Not a, not my choice, but uh, anyway, it was theirs. So, oh, Well, they made a, a mistake, in my opinion, and saw a lot of people think the same thing, Simon. You're certainly the best in the That's business, like I, like I mentioned. And, well, hopefully um, you'll get more opportunities down track with another network. I hope or, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now let's talk about the podcast that you got going. You've got that in the background there. Yeah. Uh, Shim Spider. And I can't read the bottom part there. So, so much more. So much more. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> As in Craig Moore. Craig Moore, yep. Of course, the former Socceroos legend. And, uh, yeah. and Zelko, Zelko Kallik, did I pronounce that correctly? Z- Zelko Kallik. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, how's a difficult all, one. Yes, how's that all going? And uh, tell us more about it. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, we, we started that after I left Fox. Um, I'd already been in talks with, with Maury in particular about starting some sort of a podcast. Um, so obviously when I, when I left Fox, that sort of speeded the process up. Uh, they were keen to do something. We felt that uh, that the game needed extra voices. Uh, I still think the game needs extra voices, not just ours, but lots of different voices. And unfortunately, there aren't too many in the mainstream at the moment. So it, it's going pretty well. We've got a, a, a decent sized audience, you know, for a new podcast. Um, we're obviously still looking to grow it. Um, but it's difficult because you're doing things, as you well know, on the, you know, on the smell of an oily rag, basically, because um, yeah. you're not getting paid for it. But look, you know, p- people have been very good. They've been very positive. Um, we've been helped by having a lot of fantastic guests. So we've had Andrew Postacoglu, Graham Arnold, Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the others. Anyway, lo- lots of big ex-Socceroos names and, you know, former coaches, and they've all been very generous with their time, which which is terrific. And uh, yeah, hopefully the fans enjoy it. And you know, when there's an issue that crops up in the game, which <laughs> quite often it does, <laughs> you know, we 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 can shoot from the hip because we're not aligned to anybody, which um, is a good thing, I think. You know, I think you need that breadth of opinion. And uh, the game has really suffered for a lack of it over the last few years. That's actually a really good point because obviously when you're on Fox Sports, it's a bit vanilla. Like you've got to be careful. You can have your opinion, but you've got to be really careful what you say these days. You know all about that. <laughs> well, you can't that. always have so, your opinion, let me tell you. Yeah, you can't, you can't um, even do that sometimes. Yeah. No, this is more of a case of when we want your opinion, we'll give it to you. So, uh, yeah, look, it, it does give you that freedom, um, which is good. And as I say, I think because... You know, the football media, and I'm talking about the, the paid football media here, has virtually disappeared in this country, which in itself is an absolute disgrace, to be honest. Um, it, it means that those voices are needed even more at the moment, you know, particularly with the game really on a knife edge, certainly the professional game anyway, uh, as to which way it's going to go. So, you know, we, we try and keep people honest. And sometimes it's difficult, you know, even though you're not 
being paid for it and you're not aligned to anybody. Um, you know, it's still a very small industry in Australia and uh, everybody knows everybody else. So, you know, if you have a crack at somebody, you normally get a phone call or a text the next day. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's just the business, unfortunately. It's not, you know, it, it's, it's never anything personal. We all want the game to grow and succeed in this country. And uh, sometimes you, you, you've got to be honest. Yeah, well said. And and like I mentioned before, and you can tell my frustration with you not being in the game, Simon. I, I just think it's an absolute shame not hearing your voice this year in the on the coverage. And I really hope Foxtel just realizes this and turn things around because it's a yeah, it's not the same without you. So um, well, but, look, it, yeah. it's it's political. Um, you know, I, I fought very hard on behalf of football, um, and they didn't want football opinions. It's as simple as that. So. <sighs> You know, the good thing is, is that people, I think, in the football community, they now realise that. They understand it. Um, so, you know, that, that's what Fox have, have got to answer for. That's that's their business. It's their prerogative. Yeah, well um, You know, I, I don't work there anymore. So, you know, I don't, I don't have to stay quiet. And, um, yeah, let's, let's just see, you know, where the TV rights go. I mean, look, they may end up... Uh, remaining with Fox because obviously money is a big thing for the game. I understand that uh, personally. And I think from the game's point of view, and it's not just my own you know, personal selfishness, but I, I think the game needs to go somewhere else. I think it needs a fresh start. And your podcast, uh, where do we actually find that? Is it just on your Apple podcast, Spotify, usual places where you find podcasts? Yeah, yep. yeah all the usual places, Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, it's actually on Acast, I think, is the platform that uh, that we have it on. So, yeah, it's, you can find it in plenty of places. Just do a quick Google search and you'll, you know, whilst Google still exists in Australia, then you'll find it. Wonderful. You've had some some big guests there far out. I'll definitely uh, tune in on, on that one, Simon. And also you're doing some good stuff there with Newcastle Jets as involved as the MC. Um, bit of a different role for you. How's that going? Yeah, well, I'm doing lots of different roles at the moment, working for lots of, you know, different uh, employers, um, only on a freelance basis. But uh, Newcastle Jets were good enough to uh, invite me up to be their ground announcer on on certain home games. They needed a ground announcer because I don't know what happened to the last one or whether they just weren't available. Uh, and obviously, I need the money. I've got to earn a living. So uh, yeah, look, it's a good short term arrangement. It's not. It's it's not a career move. It's not what I want to do <laughs> long term. And I'm sure that you know the Jets have their own plans as well. But in the interim, it sort of suits us both. So I'm doing a bit of that. Uh, I've been hosting some radio shows for 1170 SEN here in uh, in Sydney. Um, I've been doing a bit of work for a betting company, not oh. big on gambling, but you know that that's unfortunately the people that pay the money these days. Uh, and working doing a pregame show for Sydney FC. I'm hosting a quiz show, doing the podcast, doing some writing for the A League website <laughs> and various other people. So it's you know it's been very varied, which has been enjoyable, uh, and I've been pretty busy to be honest. And it's good because obviously it's, it enables me to pay my bills, uh, you know, whilst I wait for that that next opportunity, wherever that might be, be it, you know, here in Australia or maybe when the pandemic finally gives up, uh, maybe overseas, we'll see. And what else have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Um, you, you like to exercise and have hobbies and that sort of thing as well, <laughs> aside from the uh, football? Mm, well, I don't know about exercise so much, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I try, but yeah, not so, not so good at the moment, a bit overweight at the moment. But uh, no, I, I play in a band. I play in a heavy metal cover band. I play the drums um, and we did a gig last Friday. Uh, which went down very well. So I enjoyed that. I was rehearsing with them last night, actually. So that's my big 
sort of passion outside football. I've always been. What, what's their music. name? Give them a plug. Uh, the, the name of the band is Green Manalishi. Oh. So we play uh, covers of heavy metal bands in in the eighties. The new wave of British heavy metal, really. So Iron Maiden, Motorhead, Judas Priest, going back a bit further, Black Sabbath, um, one or two others. So yeah, we love it. We oh. rock. I think you should come over to Adelaide and play a gig or two. That would be sensational. <laughs> well, if I could fly, we, we'd be happy to. But, uh, yeah, get, getting the equipment down there might be a bit of a problem. But, uh, no, we'd love to come and play in Adelaide. That'd be great fun. Oh, good stuff there. And, uh, obviously, let's go back to 2005. It was one of the, the best moments in, in recent years, not only in sport, but obviously in football as well. When you were there, you called all the action. It was 2005, Australia taking on Uruguay. That penalty shootout, John Aloisi, he scored the goal for the first time in 32 years, Australia qualified for the World Cup. Simon, talk us through it. Well, as I've said many times, to be honest, that uh, that call uh, is not one of my favourites. Um, and the reason for that is uh, it's multi-layered, really. So first of all, I've, I'd been in Montevideo for the first leg four days prior, so I was very tired, I was very jet-lagged, and I hadn't slept too much in the build-up to that game. Um, secondly, as I'm sure you remember, Craig Foster sort of yelped and screamed and <laughs> applauded all the way throughout the call, which made things very, very difficult in a professional sense. Um, and I remember going home that night and I was exhausted, to be honest, you know, the tension and the emotion of it all. I fully recognised that it was a brilliant night for Australia. But I remember going home that night and thinking we're going to get smashed for that in the morning. Um, and of course we didn't. And the reason for that is Australia won. And it's, <laughs> it's a good lesson you know, for all sports broadcasters who, you know, have it in your head that you're the, the central theme to all of this, you're not. It's about the players. It's about the results. It's about the emotional investment in that result. Um, and look, I'm, I'm pleased that, you know, people remember it in such a great way. And it's it's funny, you know, your intro, oh, that brilliant night, you know. <laughs> Had Australia lost, I don't think anybody would remember that night. They might remember how bad our core was. Um, so that's that's the... You know, that's the lesson for sports broadcasters. And it's a nice thing to be associated with. Uh, but when I watch it back, to be honest, I cringe. I hate it. I'd, I much prefer the World Cup in Germany 2006. Well, that was actually my next question. Yeah, what have been some of your favourite moments in the comm box? Uh, there's a lot. Um, certainly that World Cup in Germany in 2006, um, you know, all the grand finals, some of the big blues, the derbies, uh, some of our brilliant trips that we had overseas with the Socceroos going to crazy places like Kyrgyzstan and Lebanon and, uh, um, you know, Vietnam and Uruguay, uh, Brazil for the World Cup, South Africa for the World Cup, Russia for the World Cup. Uh, there's There's been so many. And, you know, I think a lot of people also and I understand why, they tend to think that I started my career in Australia. I had 10 years as a broadcaster in the UK before I came to Australia. So there's a few, um, you know, that, that proceed uh, coming to this part of the world as well. I, I called an FA Cup final in 1996. And for, for a kid growing up in Northern England, which I did, you know, calling an FA Cup final at Wembley, um, it, that's a, that was a massive honour. Um, calling, you know, my own team, Manchester City, at Main Road, uh, like, wow. Um, going to events like the African Cup of Nations, which I did in 1998. I spent six weeks in Burkina Faso and people go, well, yeah, I've never heard of that tournament or I don't understand what that's about. But 
trust me, the life experience of spending six weeks in Burkina Faso doing a major tournament was just absolutely sensational. So there's an there's awful lot um, that I've done and an awful lot more that I'm grateful for. And it's all thanks to football. Um, it's given me everything and I, I owe it everything. And the other side of things, the embarrassing moments or the bloopers, <laughs> the, the sort of highlights <laughs> where the, the things you may want to forget. Have you had some of those, Simon? Things I want to forget. Um, yeah, look, there's a few down the years. Um, I had a very embarrassing moment very early on in my career, actually, uh, when I was working as a radio host. Uh, I was hosting a sports show, not commentating, um, for a little radio station in South Wales called Red Dragon FM. And we used to have a bank, an old a phone panel. You, you'll recognize this being a radio, uh, where you line up your callers and have them on hold, you know, waiting to go on. And I had about five reporters ready to go. And my Cardiff City reporter, a, a guy called Phil Suarez, who tragically is no longer with us. He, he died of cancer many years ago. Uh, but he was a mad football fan, mad Cardiff City fan. And he was, I think, second or third in line to go on air. And every time I went to go to him, there was a try in the other rugby because, of course, rugby was massive in South Wales. So we had the, all these rugby reporters and I said, I, I'd go on the, the sort of sneaky talk back and say, Phil, I'm sorry, mate, but there's been a, a try at pont so I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to come back to you. And it, I could hear him muttering on his breath, you know, bloody rugby, because uh, I didn't <laughs> like, he didn't like rugby and I didn't much either. So anyway, I, I must have kept him waiting for him about five or ten minutes and eventually I'd, I said, you know, let's go over. I think it was Warsaw against Cardiff City. I said, let's uh, let's check in at the Bescott Stadium. Uh, Phil Suarez is our reporter there for Red Dragon FM Sport. What's the latest, Phil? And I pulled the fader up and there was a whole burst of crowd noise, but there was no Phil. And I said, uh, mate, it sounds a bit noisy there. I'm not sure Phil can hear us. Can you hear us, Phil? <laughs> and again, there was just crowd noise and nothing. And I said... Uh, Phil Suarez, come in. Uh, we want the latest from Warsaw against Cardiff City, to which a voice said, I'm just holding the phone for him, mate. He's gone for a piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. And he'd obviously had enough and he'd gone, you know what, I'm going to the toilet. He can wait. <laughs> so there's been a few of those down the years, but thankfully not too many. <laughs> and this year's A-League, what an absolute start to the season. We've seen Central Coast Mariners top of the table and our new team, new boys on, in, in obviously in the competition, MacArthur, who had a 4 0 win against Adelaide on Friday mm. night, first and second respectively. Who would have guessed that, Simon? Well, I don't think anybody would have tipped the Mariners to be up there, that's for sure. Uh, MacArthur, I always fancied, uh, would have a good season. Um, I'm not sure they're going to win it, but I, I think you look at the, the mix that they've got in their squad of of youth and experience, you know, the likes of Mark Milligan, Adam Federici, the two Spaniards are brilliant, Mark El Susayatra and Benyat Echebarria. Uh, Matt Derbyshire up front, um, the French boy, Loic Puyo. You know, they've got real quality in that team and some good young kids, Lockie Rose as well, Michael Ruse, who I watched in preseason and, and was impressed by. So I think, and also, of course, they've got, they've got a good coach in Ante Milicic. So I think MacArthur could go quite close to sort of emulating the Wanderers and, and winning the premiership in the first season. So far as the Mariners are concerned, look, I don't know if it's going to last, but every week they seem to win uh, at the moment, which is just amazing. And it's just such a great story for the A-League uh, because they've won, if that's the right word, the wooden spoon uh, three seasons in a row. And yet here they are right at the other end of the ladder and Melbourne victory at bottom. 
That's it's, all, it's almost like the A-League's upside down. <laughs> yeah. it, it's sort of weird. But, you know, full credit to Alan Stajic. They're, they're much more difficult to beat this season. Matty Simon's leading them well on the park. They've got exciting kids in Alo Cool and, and one or two others. And Oli Bazanic has made a real difference in midfield. So I'm delighted for the Mariners. They've suffered for a long time. Well said. And, and obviously uh, for the Adelaide listeners or viewers, uh, in terms of their season so far, they've been good at home, but away from home, it's a different story. They can't seem to to get the chocolates away from home. What do you put that down to, Simon? Yeah, look, I think in fairness, I think they in the last uh, outing where they, they got well beaten by MacArthur, I think, you know, they had a few injuries. Michael Jakobsen was out. Ryan Kitto was out. Um, I think it was one of the Ryan Strain. You know, that's virtually the entire back four, really. Uh, so you, you're playing one or two players out of position. So I, I had a bit of sympathy for them against MacArthur. But yeah, I don't quite know what's gone wrong. It's difficult to put your finger on at the moment because they made such a good start under Carl Viet, um, and looked very much more organised defensively than they were under Herchamba Bake, for example, in the latter days anyway. Uh, I still think they'll come good, the Reds. I think they'll be okay. Um but they're just in that little bit of a form dip at the moment. But that happens in the A-League. You know, the teams are so evenly matched. You know, you can you can find a team that that wins four or five in a row and then loses four or five in a row. I know, you know, having commentated the A-League for so many years, you look for patterns to emerge in the clubs and you can't find any in terms <laughs> of the results because it's so up and down, uh, which makes for an exciting competition, but it doesn't necessarily make for a great narrative. So... I think they'll be okay, the Reds. But, uh, yeah, they're just in that little bit of a form dip at the moment. I do agree with you, though. I think an even competition is a great thing. I know we spoke off air that you're not a fan or you don't really follow the AFL, but, you know, we've seen a very even competition. at all. <laughs> <laughs> the competition's become a lot even in recent years and, and it's great to see. And you mentioned that the A-League, it's, it's so even at the moment. Anyone can beat anyone on the day and I think that's a promoter's dream, really. Yeah, in some ways. Look, I understand. I think it's a very, I understand why you say that. I think it's a very Australian mentality, to be honest. Um, I would like to see us not necessarily have one or two teams dominate, but I'd, I'd like to see us develop the concept of, of big clubs and small clubs. I mean, we sort of have that to a certain degree. You know, Sydney FC are a big club. Melbourne Victory are a big club. But victory at bottom of the league at the moment. And, you know, that that's the vagaries of a salary cap, basically, that evens things up every season. Now, I would be in favour of that if every year the competition level went up. Um, but I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. Yeah, we've had a great start this year. I'm not, I'm not denying that at all. Uh, but, but I think if we're evening up to accommodate the lowest common denominator, then we're not necessarily improving the standard of the league. That's why I'm not a fan of salary caps, because your best players at the end of a season, they move on. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the very top players. I'm talking about the, you know, the middle-ranked players. I'll give you one example. A few years ago, Bruce Jitte, who was a very important player for Adelaide United, he wasn't, you know, NSIEs or... Uh, uh, a big foreign superstar that had come into the league, but he was he was a very important player for Adelaide United. And he went overseas, I think, for an extra paycheck of maybe fifty or sixty thousand dollars. Now you can understand why he wanted to do that because it's a short career. Players have to earn money. Um, but really, Adelaide should have been able to keep him. And that was because they'd had to maneuver things around. They didn't have enough room in the salary cap. That's not good for the league. It's not good for the league. And everybody goes, oh, it's a really even competition. Yeah, well, okay. But 
if all the teams are equally average, then that doesn't make for a great league. And unfortunately, we see the results of that in the Asian Champions League all too often. Yes. Because those bigger clubs in different countries who have that extra money to spend, and look, we're never going to compete with the Chinese Super League or even the teams in the Gulf in terms of money. But you can give your teams a better chance and that's why I don't agree with salary caps. They're made for sports like Aussie Rules and Rugby League because they have a player pool that is exclusively drawn out of Australia and they can't go anywhere else. So, of course, they're going to have the best players here. We don't have that luxury. We're a global game competing with 200 other countries and that's why we need global practice for our competition, in my opinion. That's why you're the best in the business. You've, you've said that very, very well, Simon, and I 100% agree with you. And obviously that's why we're losing so many players, so many good players to overseas as well. We saw Riley McGree leave Adelaide United, which has hurt them a fair bit. And we're seeing obviously the emergence of Mohamed El Ture uh, this, this season, but no doubt he's going to go overseas within the next year or well, two. And so... Yeah, but, but look, if, sorry to interrupt. I, I think you're not going to keep the Riley McGrees. You're not going to keep the Motores. Everybody understands that because at some point they want to go to Europe. That's not the problem. The problem is the next tier of players. You, you want to be developing your Motores and you want to be selling them on and getting money to invest in your next generation, the next Motores. What you don't want to be doing is losing the Jordan Elsies of this world. Uh, losing with respect the the Isaias of, of this world. You know, he, he went off to the uh, Qatar. He's, he's not going to go and play for Real Madrid in, in Europe, but he was lost to a different league in Asia because there was a bit more money on offer and he had to take it because he was 32. So that's the tier of player I'm talking about. That's what, that's, what, yeah. that's what hurts the league. Your good young kids will always come through and the best ones will always go to Europe. And that's good. We want that. You should get transfer fees for them, commensurate for that talent, but you don't stop them going. It's that middle tier of players that should be staying in the A-League, and even a lot of those are going overseas. Really, the, really good point. $1,000. Yeah, it's a really good point. Obviously, we're seeing Goodwin come back to the Reds, which is a, a huge in for, in for them, and yeah. like you mentioned before, it may, it may turn their season around. It's in a bit of a slump at the moment, and a player like that, we know how good a player he is. His class could really help him out, but we'll watch the space for that one, Simon. Uh, another thing that you must be very excited about is the way your beloved Man City are going in the Premier League, top of the table and ahead of uh, your arch-rival mm. Man United. Now, that must make you happy. <laughs> yeah, but we're going pretty well at the moment. Um, that's an understatement. 16 consecutive wins. Uh, Pep Guardiola had a lot of question marks against him at the start of the season, um, but he's answered pretty much all of them. And, you know, when you consider that they're, they're doing all this without Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero, I mean, when those two are fit, goodness me, watch out. Uh, but what he's done this season in particular, of course, is he's fixed the defence. Um, which was always City's Achilles heel. Even when they were winning trophies, they were a little bit leaky at the back. Uh, but the acquisition of Ruben Diaz um, has been a, a real masterstroke. And he's brought the best out of John Stones alongside him as well. So all of a sudden, they they look very, very solid at the back. And they've they've coped with the absence of De Bruyne and Aguero. Ilkay Gundogan is, is having a terrific season. He's playing a more advanced role. 
Uh, Raheem Sterling is sort of floating around that uh, that front third. Uh, Deto Ferran Torres, who scored a fair few goals as well. And of course, we're seeing the emergence of Phil Foden, um, you know, now that David Silva has departed. And uh, I mean, he's he's the most exciting talent I've seen, a young talent that's come through the ranks at City in probably 20 years. He's, he's an amazing kid and he's only 20. That's exciting for someone so young, isn't it? So absolutely, and he's a City fan as well. Oh, you know, so uh, he, he's from nearby Stockport. They call him the Stockport in Yester, and uh, he can play four or five different positions. And you know, two weeks ago he went to Anfield and absolutely bossed the game and scored a world at the end. So uh, the, the sky's the limit, literally, for him. Let's hope your man City can keep on going and uh, take home so. the take home the Premier League. <laughs> now, before we let you go, mate, so I just want to ask you a question. I like to ask a lot of our guests. Um, this would be a hard one for you to answer because you've probably had dinner with many famous people. But three famous people that you haven't had dinner with, past or present, in terms of whether being alive or dead, who would they be? Um, I haven't had dinner with a lot of famous people, to be honest. I know I know everybody thinks journalists and commentators hang out with stars 24-7. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, it, it's always been them and us for me. You know, I, I know which side of the fence I'm on. So uh, three people that I would like to have dinner with. Um, okay, so one would be Neil Peart. I don't know whether you've ever heard of him. Um, he unfortunately passed away about, uh, about six or nine months ago. He was the drummer in Rush, a rock band from from Canada, who uh, was my absolute idol in terms of drumming. Uh, he's just phenomenal. So I'd love to sit uh, around a dinner table, even posthumously, with uh, <laughs> with Neil Peart and, and try and pick his brains as to um, you know how he became such a fantastic drummer. Um, Unfortunately, all three of mine are dead. So uh, the second one would be Colin Bell, who was my all-time football hero growing up as a kid in Manchester. Uh, he was the the footballer that I loved the most, um, played in the 70s and 80s. Unfortunately, got a very serious knee injury in 1975, which curtailed his career. Otherwise, he won 48 caps for England. It should have been over 100, um, but unfortunately, the injury did for him. Um, so he would be the second one. He again only passed away, um, I think it was in January. So yeah, very, very sad day. I shed a tear about that. Mm. Now, the third one is probably very controversial, uh, but I will explain why. My third one would be Adolf Hitler. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, the reason for that is, no, I am not a Nazi or a fascist. In fact, completely the opposite. Um but I am a, a huge political history buff. I have watched so many documentaries about the Second World War. And even to this day, I cannot fathom how somebody can be so evil and contain so much hatred for one uh, race of people in particular. So I would love to sit down with Adolf Hitler and just say, why? That's the most interesting answer I've ever had, I reckon, in my life. That's <laughs> phenomenal, Simon. But uh, you've yeah. explained, explained it very well. And, um, yeah, I think you've, all three of those I can uh, – yeah, they're a very different type of people, but you've answered it <laughs> I answered don't think they well. get on. No, no. <laughs> It'd be, make for a very interesting dinner. And yeah. you've got an Akadaka T-shirt there. I presume yeah, you've, yeah. Seen, you've seen Akadaka a few times in concert. I've, I've only ever seen them once. Um, to be honest, I was due to go and watch them the first time in 1999 uh, at Wembley in, when I was still living in England. And the day before the gig, I, I was working at the BBC at the time, and the BBC phoned me up and said, we need you to do a game tomorrow. It's Sunderland-Newcastle at um, the Stadium of Lights. 
and I couldn't turn that down. Uh, I had to go and do it. So unfortunately, I had to give my ticket away. But I, I did manage to see them uh, when Malcolm Young was was still alive, and you know, still obviously had everything about him um, in Sydney a, a few years ago. So I did get to see them. Yeah, I love ACDC. They're not my favourite band, but. They're, they're up there amongst the top 10, that's for sure. And they met your expectations, their concert as well, in yeah. terms of being live? Yeah. And to be honest, the, the only thing that disappointed me about the concert is that I was probably one of the few people who knew all the songs. <laughs> uh, you know, the rest of the crowd sat there humming along to various tunes and they'd get up for Thunderstruck and one or two of the other more <laughs> famous ones. The rest of them, it was just me. I Because, I, you know, I've got so many of their albums. I know all their songs, but nobody else seemed to, which I thought was weird, given this is their country. It is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Obviously, you're a true fan then. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And just finally, I know it's a hard one because it's still a long way to go in the season, but A-League grand finalists this year, who do you think they'll be? Mm. I still think Sydney will be there. Um, they've been so consistent over the last four or five years. I know they're not right up there at the moment, but that, they'll come good, um, particularly with Babo to come in, which I think he's probably going to this, this next batch of games. So I think Sydney FC will be one of them. At the start of the season, I think I said Melbourne City would be the other, which is, of course, the grand final we had last year. But I'm not so sure about them at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if we see MacArthur in the grand final, well, to be honest. Wouldn't that be good? No disrespect to the Mariners. You know, if they reach the finals, that's like winning the thing for them after what they've been through. But, uh, yeah, I don't quite fancy MacArthur at the moment. Yeah, well said. It would be a bit like our Leicester City back in the day as well with, yeah, uh, with the Mariners, be. wouldn't it? So, well, hope. it would be <laughs> for the salary cap. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Simon Hill, what a pleasure it's been getting on Legends of Bello for a chat today, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. And um, like I mentioned before, hopefully we'll see you back in the Fox Sports commentary box where you should be not in a, the future. Not, not in the Fox Sports commentary box, you won't. Oh, know, but surely in, in a commentary in box. In a commentary box. Well, maybe they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll realise what a mistake they made and turn things around. But, no, or, I would not. I would not go back there. You wouldn't go back there? No, okay. Well, definitely in a commentary box of some sorts because that's where you should be. Like I said, it's like a pie without sauce this this, uh, particular season without you there. That's very (laughs) Thanks so much. And a big shout out to a friend of yours and a friend of mine as well, Ben Dale, for teeing up the chat with yourself. He's a good fella, Benny. Good to see you, Benny. Take care, mate, and uh, speak again soon. Cheers. Sounds so good.